Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Joel. Today is study number two of Joel chapter two. And we're going to be reading Joel 2, verses 1 and 2. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of Jehovah cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we were discussing verse 1 in our last study, and we saw that um, God is blowing a trumpet in the day of judgment, not a warning trumpet, not to warn people so that they might um, make spiritual preparations in seeking the Lord before that awful day come. No, this is just simply a sounding of the Word of God, as the trumpet and the Word of God are synonymous. They're one and the same. And as God's people share the information that God has opened up in the day of judgment concerning his righteous judgment, well, this uh, will will sound like a trumpet. And um, the, the people of the world, those that God has saved, the elect, will gather unto the word of God. They will gather to Christ in the day of judgment. But at this point, we're going to move on to verse 2. And let's take a closer look at Joel 2, verse 2, which says, A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. And this is referring to the day of Jehovah, the judgment day that we are presently in. This day of wrath, this this time of judgment is described as a day of darkness. And, of course, we are familiar with that kind of language because right from the very beginning, we understood through verses like Matthew chapter 24, and I'll read that verse, Matthew 24, verse 29, says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And the same similar statement is made in, in Mark 13, verse 24 and following, except it speaks of those days after the tribulation. And a similar statement is made in Luke 21, 25, but it tells us that it's signs that are in the sun, moon, and stars. And, and that helps us to understand that it is not speaking of a literal darkening 
of the literal stars and, and, and sun and moon, the celestial bodies, but a spiritual darkening of the lights of the gospel. And in Revelation chapter 6, it says in verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, uh, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And many other verses could be added uh, showing the same thing. Revelation 9 and the first couple of verses there. Again, judgment day and darkness. And so when God is saying here that the day of Jehovah cometh and it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness, well, we know exactly what he means. The end of the gospel's evangelization of the world has taken place. Beginning on May 21, 2011, the door of heaven shut, the light of the gospel went out, and the Lord stopped saving people. We are living in just a terrible time, an awful day. This is the great day of God's wrath. As this verse goes on to say, there hath not been ever the like. There has never been a time like this time. You hear some people say, well, uh, there has been people before who said uh, the door to heaven has shut and God has stopped saving people. And and they also set a date and they try to make it sound like this uh, time and this proclamation of May 21, 2011 and this understanding that God shut the door on that day and ended his salvation program. It's nothing new. It's nothing special, really. And just like this previous time, which um, they refer back to 100, 150 years ago, well, the, this too will pass, and, and these people too will be shown wrong. But But there is a big difference, and that is that, at uh, a time before when someone might have said something like this, there was a church, there was a corporate body, there was a place where the true gospel could be found. But look at the day we're living in. We're living in a time where you cannot go to a church. Not that you can't find a faithful church, which you can't, but you cannot even go to a church if you're a true believer because God has ended the church age and commanded his people to come out, thus forbidding them to go to church. And not only that, because, of course, that is a serious thing. It was due to judgment beginning at the house of God that, that God brought about the period of great tribulation. The end of the church age is um, strongly tied to great tribulation. And, and so it's a very serious thing that the church age is over. But more than that, now in our day, 
Where can you go? What ministry can you go to to find truth? Even a faithful ministry like Family Radio is no longer the same. Mr. Camping is no longer teaching. And there is nobody else out there that taught like he taught. There, There is no proclamation of faithful, sound teaching. If you discount e-Bible because you think, well, they're not uh, teaching right since they're teaching the end of salvation. All right, well, then who is? Where are you going to find the true gospel out there if you follow the Bible's teaching of the end of the church age and you're looking for a faithful ministry, then you would have to conclude there are none because you don't like what's being taught on e-Bible and and yet you recognize the church age is over, but there's no more Mr. Camping. There's no more uh, in-depth Bible study being done anywhere else by a ministry outside of the churches and congregations that um, uh, I'm aware of. And so that leaves uh, God's people, the elect, in, uh, in a situation that is unlike any other previous time in the history of the world or certainly since the the church age began back in the first century A.D., there is therefore no place to go. And, And people who believe God is still saving are still not getting out there. They're still not proclaiming the gospel they think will save people. There's no track trips being taken with with tracks to uh, to go evangelize and 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 from a faithful ministry outside of the churches and congregations uh, in other words things today are not like any other time but they do match and they're perfectly suited for a day of darkness when the print presses at Family Radio stopped rolling on May 21, 2011. And for a long stretch of time, they stopped even making tracks. And and it was proclaimed um, at Mr. Camping's um, direction that God had saved all those to be saved, and now it was time to feed sheep. Of course, that... He got that from the Bible. He got that from John 21. So it was God's direction. God leading um, in that area. And we have continued in at E-Bible Fellowship to follow that line of thinking because that's the Bible's line of thinking. That's God's direction for this time. That May 21, 2011 was Judgment Day and we entered into an intense period of spiritual darkness. At, um, like never before in history, we went from um, just uh, a frenetic pace of, of constant spiritual activity in evangelizing the world, getting the gospel out um, with tremendous urgency up until May 21, 2011, to... Uh, full stop and no evangelization, no tracks, no track trips, 
no advertising that people seek the Lord and 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 individual witnessing even came to a close with a great many believers and and that was all according to the will of God and it it just had to do with this judgment of God of darkness now it goes on to say here that it's a day of darkness and of gloominess gloominess is um, a word we use sometimes when it's a very cloudy drizzly rainy kind of a day you look out your window and it's gray and the the, the overcast and it, it just seems kind of gloomy now i particularly like those kind of days and I suppose some people would say that's because I'm a gloomy person, but but that's the idea of how we use that word, gloominess. But what does it mean in the Bible? God is saying the judgment day is a day of gloominess. Well, the Hebrew word is Strong's number 653, and it's found in... Really, a parallel passage in Zephaniah chapter 1, Zephaniah 1, and I'll start reading in verse 14, where it says, The great day of Jehovah is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of Jehovah, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. And by the way, that statement, the voice of the day of Jehovah, that would be the word of God, because judgment day is a time where, wherein the Lord executes his word. The true believers carry out that execution by sharing the uh, information coming forth from the Bible. And, and so the great day of Jehovah is a, a day of the voice of the day of Jehovah or where uh, the word of God speaks, as it says in Habakkuk, that the vision is yet for an appointed time, and uh, in the end, he shall speak. And that's exactly what God is doing. It also says in Zephaniah 1.14, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. This reminds us of uh, what we read in the book of Genesis, concerning the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob rather than Esau. In Genesis chapter 27, it says, beginning in verse 30, And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Now, look at that verse and that statement in Genesis 27:30 carefully. Isaac, who can be a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, because Isaac is the one that was offered in sacrifice by his father Abraham, who would be a picture of God the Father. And remember, he was just about ready to plunge the knife down to slay his own Son, his only begotten son, and God intervened and stopped him. And in so doing, though, uh, Isaac became a great 
type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and here Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob. Jacob, a picture of the elect, uh, as we read in other places, for instance, in Romans chapter 9, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And, and so we have really with this statement, a picture of Christ blessing his elect. And what is the blessing? God's blessing is defined in Psalm 133.3 as the dew of Hermon, Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there Jehovah commanded the blessing even life forevermore. That's the blessing that God gives to all of his elect typified by Jacob eternal life. But here Isaac made an end of blessing Jacob. Now, of course, historically, he had just given him the blessing of the firstborn. We know that, but spiritually, it is when God finally completed the pouring out of the latter rain and saved that great multitude um, and thereby saved the last one of his elect whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that Jacob, or the elect of God, received the end of the blessing, that uh, the last one to be saved had become saved. Well, then it goes on to say here in Genesis 27.30, And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. Now Esau is desiring blessing. And and again, what is that blessing? According to Psalm 133.3, Jehovah commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now Esau, likewise, once blessing. He, he's not aware as yet that his brother has received the blessing, but Esau is letting his desire be known. Now this desire for blessing from God would, um, be along the same lines of the people that are knocking on the door in Luke 13 verse 24 and following. And saying, Lord, Lord, let me in. And uh, they are not let in. Or it would be the blessing of the rich man who's in hell in Luke chapter 16. And he wants a drop of water. He wants Abraham to send Lazarus uh, just with the tip of his finger uh, moisten with water to put it, apply it to his tongue. And he cannot have that blessing. Or it's the blessing of those in uh, Revelation 9 that desire to die. As we read in Revelation 9 in verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death. And that death is an identification with the death of Christ which comes through salvation. And shall not find it, and shall desire to die, 
again, that same death in Christ through salvation, and death shall flee from them. There is no um, death in Christ which comes through salvation any longer. That's not possible. There is no uh, drop of water that brings that blessing of life forevermore. That's not possible. There is no opening of the door of heaven because it is shut. And what God has shut, man cannot open. That is not possible. And Esau now at a time when Isaac has made an end of blessing, Jacob comes and he wants to be blessed and uh, that thy soul may bless me. And then it says in verse 32, and Isaac, his father said unto him, who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And, uh, and what was Christ's uh, statement to those knocking at the door? Depart from me, I never knew you. Isaac here, it, he says, who are you? I don't know you. Uh, you. You can't be my son Esau because I've just blessed him. Now, of course, again, that's the historical uh, situation. But the historical situation is allowing for these kinds of statements to be made. Who are Art thou, or who are you, which match the spiritual condition or the spiritual situation in the day of judgment? And and again, and he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that has taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest. And have blessed him, past tense. I have blessed Jacob, or I have blessed that other one, and yea, and he shall be blessed. God has saved, and he has completed his salvation program. He has saved um, that great multitude, and they are saved. That that will not change. It cannot change. The Bible tells us that once God saves a person, it, it is forever. That's why they receive the gift of eternal life. You cannot lose salvation, or you would never have had the gift of eternal life. And and and, and so Isaac is letting it be known that all those elect to be saved, have been saved, have received the blessing of life forevermore, and and they will keep it. That will never change. That cannot ever change. And then in verse 34, Esau begins uh, his response. And when Esau heard the words of his father, and, and remember in uh, the verse where we started, uh, that brought us to this passage was Zephaniah. And it said at the beginning of Zephaniah 1.14, speaking of the great day of Jehovah, even the voice of the day of Jehovah. That's the voice of God, the voice of the Father. And 
And in Zephaniah 1.14, it goes on to say, The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Well, uh, Esau hears the voice of his father. He heard the words of his father telling him that the blessing was given. It, it's been granted to another. And Esau heard the words of his father. He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and has taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered, and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. This is the um, uh, the tie-in with what God is doing in the day of Jehovah. Uh, in that day, the mighty man shall weep bitterly, or shall cry there bitterly. And that brings us to this passage where Isaac, the father, grants the blessing. He makes an end of blessing Jacob, who typifies the elect, and then Esau, who is representative of those that are not elect. They were never chosen by God, the unsafe people of the world. They are are creatures made in the image of God, like all men, and and God had certain earthly blessings for them. God brought the rain and and the sun and fruitful seasons to all mankind. He gave men many things to enjoy of this earth, but concerning that special blessing of the firstborn, which points to the blessing of life forevermore, that is, salvation through Christ, that's only for Jacob. And yet now the blessing has been given. And it's it's given at a point in their lives where Esau now realizes that his brother has received the blessing. It's similar to when God um, desired sacrifice from Cain and Abel. And and they both went and offered sacrifice, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And, and as a result, Cain became very angry, uh, because through accepting Abel's sacrifice and not accepting Cain's, the Lord revealed um, that he favored one over the other through the sacrifice. And of course, the sacrifice that was acceptable was 
Abel's offering that looked towards the the coming demonstration of Christ, but in reality it it um, reflected Christ's offering of himself at the point of the world's foundation as the Lamb of God. And and Cain's sacrifice though was trusting in the work he was doing in the offering he made. And so one was elect and one was not which led God to accept the sacrifice of one and not the other. And, and, and there too, God let it be known. And it happens to say in, in the Hebrew, in Genesis 4, in that passage, in the end of days, and I think in our King James it says in the process of time, um, uh, these offerings were made, but, but literally in the Hebrew it's in the end of days. And in the end of days, God has made it known. Now in our time, um, he, he began the process when uh, he, he started the separation of the wheat and the tares in the churches. The wheat or the elect will come out of the church. The tares would remain. And, and then by the end of the Great Tribulation, and the Great Tribulation ended on May 21, 2011, that process was complete, and God um, let it be known that all those within the church were not receiving his blessing. But there's still a matter of the unsaved outside of the churches and congregations, where God was working to save and did save a great multitude. And so the Lord then transitions the judgment from the church to the world. He shuts the door of heaven. He puts out the light of the gospel and and the day of darkness and gloominess of judgment day begins. And in this day, the mighty man will cry there bitterly because it points to the unsaved people hearing that the blessing has been given. It, it's, it's over and done with. Jacob has been blessed. He has received the blessing. And, and now, uh, when, when people come to the gospel, when they come to God through his word and they hear this, it's like Esau just walking in the door, uh, a moment after Jacob leaves and, and, and the the news is presented to him, well, who are you? Who are you? From whence uh, comest thou? Uh, that's what um, it said in, I think, Luke 13. Let me turn there. It says in Luke 13, 25, When once the master of the house is risen up, and is shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. They have no place because they're not part of the first fruits. They're not part of the final fruits of ingathering, the great multitude. They they have no place after God has completed his program of evangelization in his times and seasons. And, 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 and Esau is typifying and picturing people that hear the message, or even if they, they don't happen to hear, he's picturing the unsaved 
that are rejected by God in the time that the blessing has been given out and and it, the weeping uh, is remember before we we learn the judgment day there's a particular phrase that's that's repeated several times in the new testament there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth god says that that language is found for instance in uh, matthew 8 and beginning in verse 11 and i say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That is, they will be saved. And then in verse 12, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we understand, due to the very negative and and angry reactions people have had upon hearing that God has ended his salvation program and is no longer saving we we can understand the gnashing of teeth but it was it was wondered but how does the weeping fit in um when when they're cast out into outer darkness and there's said to be weeping well the weeping it's not literal, but it relates to Esau, who finds out that Jacob has received the blessing. And the blessing is irrevocable. It cannot be changed or altered. It's been given. there, And there is no more blessing. Jacob um, actually cries out and, and, and beseeches uh, his father, have you only one blessing? Uh, bless me, even me also. It's it's actually language indicating a desire for salvation. And that's something that the unsaved never had at the time uh, that God was saving. That is, through the true gospel, they never really desired it. But in the day of judgment, since it's all over and past, it's... Uh, true to the nature of man, that then he wants things that that um, are too late to have. Uh, you know, we also read in Hebrews chapter 12 um, about this situation of the blessing being given to uh, Jacob and not Esau, and Esau's reaction. And God warns us about it in Hebrews chapter 12. It says... In uh, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing... He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. 
And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stone, or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Well, I, I, I wanted to read that, um, of additional information. God starts off talking about Esau and being rejected, though he sought the blessing carefully with tears. And notice how it ties in uh, with the Lord, um, uh, the Lord's appearance on Mount Sinai, and uh, the the uh, language of uh, fire and blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet, because it it so happens that the same word gloominess, the same type of language of clouds and thick darkness, likewise leads us to the Mount um, Sinai and, and the book of Exodus. But we'll, Lord willing, if we have time, we'll look at that a little bit later. All right, let's go back to Zephaniah 1. We still didn't get to the verse that uses that same word. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, said, The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Verse 15, That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high tower. So very similar language and statements to Joel chapter 2, verse 2. And and yet God adds, uh, of course, that very important information concerning the mighty man crying there bitterly that that helps us understand it just fits so well with the spiritual darkness with the things we have learned from the bible since may 21 2011 concerning the end of salvation god isn't saving people any longer all right let's uh, also go to exodus 10 and we're going to continue looking at the Hebrew word translated gloominess, which is Strong's number 653. And in Exodus 10, it says in verse 21, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And the word translated as gloominess um, uh, is, is the word thick. In uh, verse 22 of Exodus 10, there was a thick darkness or a gloomy darkness. And, and, and that's our word. And this passage shows just a tremendous darkness that God brought upon Egypt. And he says it, it was a, a darkness which may be felt. And I always wondered about that word. What, what does God mean? A darkness that may be felt. Because darkness is something that um, that really um, impacts our sight. 
uh, when uh, we see light or when there is no light, it's dark. And, and so we cannot see in the dark. Uh, it's, it's not something that really involves our physical sense. And so why does God speak of a darkness which might be felt? Well, when we look up the uh, Hebrew word that's translated as felt, we find that um, it actually leads us back to that very same passage that we were just at in Genesis 27. But in this case, it's Isaac who is giving the blessing because he's reached a certain age. In all likelihood, Isaac is 120 years old at the time he's he's uh, decided to uh, bestow the blessing of the firstborn. And his eyesight is failing him. And so it says in Genesis 27, verse 22, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So Isaac cannot see, which means physically Isaac is in the dark. He he cannot see, his eyes are failing him, so he needs to rely on his touch. And and uh, then Jacob comes near, and Jacob, um, with help of his mother, has been dressed up um, with, with um, fur, so he feels as hairy as his brother Esau, and, and Isaac is not able to tell that it's Jacob rather than, uh, than uh, Esau. But the word felt has to do with such a darkness that it makes you blind, and the blind grope in the darkness. And this word is translated as grope in Deuteronomy 28, um, verse 29, as as the blind gropeth in darkness, it says there, and and that's what blind people do. They reach out their hand and they feel for the wall or they feel for obstacles that are in their way, and and that's what God is saying that that the darkness that came upon Egypt, the darkness that may be felt or groped, the Egyptians could not see. Um, the nose on their face. They couldn't see two feet in front of them. And so they had to walk around like blind men for that period of time that, that God brought the plague of darkness. Okay. Um, now let's, let's go back to Joel chapter two. And again in verse two, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a, a day of clouds and of Thick darkness, and God certainly uh, is is emphasizing the darkened condition of the world at the time of judgment. But what what about clouds? Well, we find that clouds relate to judgment in the Bible. Clouds also relate to the Word of God, and clouds are associated with the presence of God. Uh, let's go to Exodus 24, and this is a passage 
that speaks of Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24, beginning in verse 15. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of Jehovah abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of Jehovah was like devouring fire on the top of a mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Now here we see that Moses goes into the mount and God uh, is in the midst of a cloud on the mount and Moses went into the midst of the cloud in order to speak to God and he was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, So it's interesting, when we find the cloud, we often uh, find the presence of God. For instance... Uh, when Israel came out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness throughout the entire period of their wilderness sojourn, God is said to have led them by a cloud and, uh, and a pillar of fire. And that also was a period of 40 years. And, and here Moses goes into the mount and the cloud appears and and he's in the cloud for 40 days and 40 nights. Now we know that Judgment Day is also a time where the number 40 appears. Uh, there's a strong likelihood that October 7th, 2015 will complete the, the prolonged Day of Judgment that began on May 21, 2011. And, and that would be a period of 1,600 days and 1600 breaks down to 40 times 40. And, um, and, and so when God has brought judgment on the world, it's a day of darkness, a day of clouds. The, the cloud of God's wrath, the cloud of the presence of an angry God, uh, is, is as, it's as though the whole world is um wrapped up in this cloud and and yet we find also this number 40 being emphasized 1600 days now the cloud also comes into view at the completion of the tabernacle in Exodus 40 it says in uh, the end of verse 33 or I'll read Um, beginning in verse 33, And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate, so Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle, and when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of Jehovah was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So Moses completed, finished the work for the tabernacle, 
and the cloud of God entered in and remained throughout the entire 40-year period that Israel was in the wilderness. And we we also uh, know that once the uh, house of God that the Lord had Solomon built, a build was was finished that a cloud also entered into the house of God in second chronicles 5 beginning in verse 1 thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of Jehovah was finished just as Moses finished his work and then it says in verse 7 of second chronicles 5 and the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of Jehovah unto his place to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above, and they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without, and there it is unto this day. So God uh, entered into the house um in in the figure of the ark entering in and it says in verse 13 of second chronicles 5 it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking jehovah when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised jehovah saying for he is good for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of Jehovah, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of Jehovah had filled the house of God. And this is the same word cloud that we have in Joel 2 or in Zephaniah chapter 1. And, and actually that word cloud is used most often in association with the presence of God than anything else when when we look it up uh, in the old testament and 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 so God um uh, had was in a cloud uh on the mount sinai when Moses was there for 40 days 40 nights God uh was in the tabernacle when that was completed and remain there throughout the 40-year wilderness sojourn. And God also entered into the temple when the, when the temple was finished, and, and the cloud indicated the presence of God. But we can also know that the house of God that Solomon built pictured God building his own house. And Hebrews 3 says, Whose house are we? as the Lord built up a spiritual house that was made of everyone that he saved, and he finished the house by May 21, 2011, when the day of salvation concluded. And at that point, he indwelt every believer, and, and that would be the picture of the ark entering in. And now God dwells in the midst of Zion. He dwells with his people spiritually. And the cloud fills the temple or the house of God. As God indicates, now no one can enter in. And and that is the nature of the judgment 
um, as we've learned from the Bible, that there is no more place for sinners in the day of uh, the Lord's wrath, in the day of judgment. This is the picture that is picked up in Revelation 15, when the seven messengers come out of the temple, having, it says in verse 6, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four living creatures gave unto the seven messengers seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven messengers were fulfilled. The the smoke here is substituting for the cloud because they're one and the same. It's indicating the wrath of God. It is it is the time of God's wrath. And so judgment day is a day of clouds and and darkness and, and so forth as as we see in these scriptures we've been looking at. Well, um, I don't think we're going to have enough time uh, to continue looking at these words. Uh, Lord willing, in our next study, we're going to continue on looking at the words that are here in Joel chapter 2, and especially in verse 2. And, and take a look, if you have time, at the Hebrew word used for mourning. As the morning spread upon the mountains. And we wonder, well, what does God mean by that? Well, we'll find out, Lord willing, as we compare Scripture with Scripture and look up the words that God has given us and we see where he leads us. And he will define that term for us when we get together in our next Bible study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.